0: Welcome back to Campus Connections. I am your host, Ashley Tem, and this show is by and for people who are in the education field. Today, we cover the important topic of food insecurities with Dr. Cherise Breeden Balam. She has a long career in social work and higher education administration. She is also a professor at several local colleges and universities, focusing on the social sciences. With this experience, she has worked with various clients in mental health services and corrections departments, as well as public and private partnerships. Dr. Charisse is a leader who believes that education is the only way to move the country forward. She is governed by a quote by Dorothy Height, which states, I want to be remembered as one who tried. Welcome, Dr. Charisse. Hi.
1: So, currently, how this all started, I have a master's degree in social work. I was teaching as an adjunct professor at Bergen Community College. And my dissertation, and my chair of social sciences, Dr. Jacqueline Baines, came to me and told me that there was a new EDD program that was coming to Bergen Community College the Rose Graduate Center of National American University, that it would be a hybrid program. And she advised me to apply. I have to say that I was truly suffering from imposter syndrome. I did not want to apply. I felt that I did not have the skill set to obtain an EDD or a doc, you know, a doctorate. And I really waited basically until the last minute after she kept emailing me um, to apply I applied that Thursday the applications was due that Friday and lo and behold I was accepted um, into the program and it was a doctorate of Education and Community College leadership through National American University.
0: That is fantastic what wow, what a journey and what a resume as well. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Thank you. So a part of the program, um, I applied for a scholarship through the foundation and was awarded a scholarship that provided 75 percent of my tuition to be paid for. So I was only responsible for 25 percent.
0: That is wonderful. Affordable education is always such a blessing, right? Yes, it is. Most definitely.
1: Most definitely.
0: In your current program, you had mentioned uh, to me before that your dissertation is focusing around community colleges and food insecurities. I would love for you to enlighten us on this issue that is impacting our students.
1: Yes. So my dissertation, uh, my dissertation topic is assessing food insecurities at an urban community college. So I did a mixed method where I looked at Students that were a part of first generation as a first generation program called the Education Opportunity Fund Program. So, I surveyed students who had 12 or more college credits with the food insecurity document, their actual scale, to see how food insecurity is calculated. So, I surveyed, I sent out surveys of 125 students. From that 125 students, I received about 80 to 85 students that responded back. From that 85, I sent out another survey asking for their lived experiences based on their scoring of the survey. So if they scored a score of 12 or better, based on the scaling, there was some level of food insecurity. So I, I spoke with about 10 students and did an interview with them asking them about their lived experiences with food insecurities. I was fortunate enough that I had males and females and the participants were all minority students. And based on the research that was collected prior to my research, it only came in line that most students that suffer from some level of food insecurity is minority students. So it really gave me a really good bird's eye view into food insecurity as it pertains to community college students. A lot of research that is available now deals with food insecurities as it pertains to students who are on a four-year, attends a 4 year um, institution and that live on campus. But when you speak about community college students, you're speaking about transient students that do not, that has no option of obtaining a meal plan. So I felt that my research And my topic was very relevant to really shine light on this particular population of
0: students. Completely. That is demographic that I feel we are not servicing enough and such a growing population, unfortunately and sadly.
1: Yes. Yes. Very sad. (laughs) Very sad.
0: Well, um, we definitely appreciate your research that you've done so far and hoping to better this situation and have those students feel the support um, while they're continuing their education. So how can we as higher ed professionals, and this is probably maybe some part of your research or to be research, how can we support these types of students? on a deeper level? A couple of things. One,
1: I think that community college has to treat students holistically because they are dealing with transient students, non-traditional students, veterans, people coming back for professional development courses or, or for certificate courses. There has to be some type of gatekeeping. Coming into higher ed with a background in social work allowed me to really look at this from a Maslow framework. Because again, when you look at Maslow, Maslow believes that in order for you to move from level to level, you have to complete one level in order for you to move to the next. And food is a level in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So in order for you to go to the next level, you have to conquer that level in order to move forward. So I would have to say that higher education professionals, leadership must deal with a student holistically. Case in point, when students apply for Acceptance into a community college at program, they're automatically accepted. However, there needs to be some type of orientation program where someone is asking them questions pertaining to what are some of their needs or, bar- or better yet, yeah, what are some of the barriers that would come into play that they would not be able to complete their program. The Wisconsin Hope Lab, the Hope. Um, college Center under Sarah Rob Goldfridge, I believe, um, speaks about how you have to deal with students holistically. Most students are suffering from not only food insecurities, but they're suffering from housing insecurities as well. But again, my research was predominantly on food insecurities. So when a student is accepted into a community college and they meet with an advisor, someone that's going over, you know, what courses they're taking, their scheduling. There has to be some type of tickler, some type of an assessment tool that is used to see if that student is in jeopardy or on the spectrum of having some type of food insecurity because that would impede upon their completion. So I don't think that just putting food pantries on campuses is enough. Because based on my research, a large majority of the students that was food insecure did not even go to the food pantry because of stigma. They knew people that worked there. They didn't want to be seen coming or going from there. And they didn't believe that they were really suffering from any form of food insecurity. So, you know, so again, this is a systemic issue. And leadership at community colleges definitely have to come together and treat A student holistically to increase our retention and graduation rate.
0: That is our goal. We all want to see these students reach that graduation line and change their paths. If they are um, transient students right now, if they are struggling with finding their next meal, this education could be their key to finding that better job, to, you know, getting that roof over their heads. And so, subject are so important and should be a priority, I think, for more institutions to focus on if they have a larger population amongst their students, and especially um, having an equitable education right? And having an equitable experience and feel that we aren't giving the support that is needed towards everyone's unique perspectives and unique uh, situations. I, I totally agree. Sarah
1: Goldrich Rob is one of the pioneers that speaking about food insecurities and housing insecurities as it pertains to college students. So I referenced a lot of her work within my dissertation, but again, her, a lot of her work surrounded housing as well as food insecurities. My work purely surrounds community college students. So I I have to say that if we're talking about how to alleviate this point, alleviate this situation, leadership must acknowledge that the situation exists and then put in some types of solutions. So what I have been doing is creating various platforms to provide people with information. So currently I am on LinkedIn and I developed a platform called Dropping the Fork, Feeding our, um, Fork stands for feeding our region with knowledge on food insecurities. So every first Monday of the month, I provide some type of writing that talks about my experience of interviewing a student who had a lived experience with food insecurities. So we can't just pretend that this problem does not exist. The problem has only expanded, especially now that we are in a global pandemic. So we have to address the student holistically in order to ensure that not only do they start, but they finish and can move on and really take care of themselves and their families. You know, my my real goal is truly to be a voice for the voiceless. The community college students' voice is unheard because they are your non-traditional, your minority students, your female students. Um, people just come into take courses maybe to try to advance on their job or get in um, some type of certificate bearing course. But again, in this arena that we're in right now, this COVID-19 pandemic, everyone is important and everyone's story needs to be heard. There is enough professionals that are in leadership that can truly, truly, truly help students ensure that they graduate. And I think that we have to bring food insecurities not only to the top of the list, but come together as professionals to really put together a plan of action for students who have barriers. We can't eliminate, we can't forget or um, ignore that these situations exist. We cannot do that anymore. We cannot. This pandemic right now, we will see the ramifications of this pandemic for the next 10 to 15 years following this right here. And I say that because the pandemic has affected minority populations at higher rates And when we speak about college students and we speak about community college students, that is our base, our minority students. So if we are not careful and we do not address this situation now, that whole population of students, I believe, will not even be coming to community colleges or, or higher ed period. Because they will not have the skill set or the know-how to navigate the waters to get into college because they will just be trying to um, take care of themselves and, again, be on Maslow's hierarchy of needs of securing themselves with food
0: and shelter. You are completely right that this is going to be a ripple effect if we don't, you know, attack it early on and provide resources early on. And so, what are some ways that us as the education leaders and us that kind of have the power to support these students, what can we do and what kind of resources can we implement on our campuses or uh, programs to, to support them?
1: I would say look into meal swapping. There are students who, who are getting meal plans that do not use all of their meal plans. Why not allow those extra, pl- extra meals to be given to other students? Another plan would be implementing a food, pro- a food plan on community colleges. When students receive Pell Grant and you're doing an assessment, ask them about how are they going to how are they going to eat? and providing them with some type of meal plan, even on a community college campus. Another way of addressing it would be doing some type of grab-and-go bag lunches, where students could get a meal for like $5, a meal being a sandwich, a salad, and something to drink a soup, a half a sandwich, something to drink. I mean, there are so many ways that that grab and go can be created. But again, we have to talk about it because when we look at food pantries, a lot of the food that is in food pantries are very high in salt, very high in sugar. And the people who are utilizing the food pantries are minority students. And again, minority students, come from lineages of people who have high blood pressure, diabetes. So you're perpetuating those health ailments by giving them romaine noodles and um, um, macaroni and cheese condensed, you know, those types of, you know, those types of things. So we, we have to be strategic in how we implement these programs and not just believe that putting a food pantry on a campus is going to solve all the problems. My research shows and there's other data that shows that that does not alleviate food insecurities amongst amongst college students.
0: Such an interesting find because that is what most institutions do offer, right? And so We can go to a lot of colleges and universities, and chances are they do have a food pantry. And that is so interesting to find data that supports that not being enough. And you pointed out something um, the meal card swap. I experienced firsthand that I would have friends back in my undergraduate and graduate careers that. They would come to me and they would say, would you like to have lunch with me? You know, I I have extra credits and, you know, I'm going to lose them by the end of the semester if I don't use them. But I I didn't eat at the food hall enough. And instead of doing that, we should have a program that says here's some extra credits. that are going to go unused. How can we provide other students? I think that is a great idea.
1: And, and again, I think that these systems are not, you know, it's not rocket science, you know? And again, I have to say that I looked at my topic from a social work perspective, from the social work lens. So me coming into higher ed and working on this dissertation, I did it looking at it from a social work perspective and was able to utilize data. That is available in higher ed to to connect the dots. So we can't discount healthcare, um, mental health professionals, and social workers from these types of conversations. And even when you talk about utilizing the food pantries, why are we not utilizing our nursing students or students who are working towards a dietary certificate or degree, so that students who are a part of a minority that is prone to specific health conditions, talk to them about food choices. In my dissertation, I spoke with a young lady who was a single parent, and um, I wrote an article, and it's called The Baby Eats First. And when I spoke to the student, she informed me that she would stop at the local store by her house and she would buy three pieces of, ch- three pieces of fried chicken for, for $2. And she said that what they would do would give her a leg and a thigh. But what they would do with the thigh would cut it in half to give her three pieces of chicken. And she would take that home and give that to, and she would feed herself and her daughter with that in a can of corn and rice. I said to her, well, what about the vegetable? She said, the corn is the vegetable. I said, no, corn is not a vegetable. She said, no, corn is a vegetable. So again, we have to, we have to give people information because that can of corn that cost a dollar or whatever, she could have used that
0: same dollar to buy spinach. Right. And it's about educating as well. You know, um, you had mentioned that she she believed corn was a vegetable. And so just providing that education, we used to have like the pyramid. Right. And I believe now it's called My Plate on how, yes. and, you know, all the different portion size and everything. And so I think that is so important because it's one thing of just having food on the table, but also having quality food and, and nutrients right on the table.
1: And, and again, you, when you speak about that, you have to speak about um, food deserts as well. So, again, this topic is so needed because it has tenements in so many other areas. Me speaking to this student and just educating her that corn is not a vegetable shifted the paradigm to where if she has $3, To feed her and her daughter, instead of her buying a can of corn, she may be opt to buying some broccoli or or spinach or string beans so that now she can have a well-balanced meal. And again, you know, I'm not a nutritionist, right? That's not my wheelbarrow. But at the same time, we we, we have to give people information because some people don't know what they don't know. And most colleges do new student orientation. They do um, um, college freshman seminar. There is plenty of touch points that can be utilized to identify students who are struggling in various in various arenas and how to address those situations. But again, I have to say, and I stick to it, that just starting a food pantry only puts a Band-Aid on a gushing room, because right now we're in a global pandemic. Students are no longer on campus. So how are they accessing these food pantries that colleges have right now?
0: Right, they can't probably to be honest, right, or if they're operating at a very limited capacity, which is unfortunate, or maybe they're not getting enough donations, because a lot of these food pantries rely on donated items, and so, and volunteers, and Ashley, don't forget volunteers, volunteers. and volunteers, you're correct, and so when they're also getting um, inadequate supply, then that means less for these students, and it's just a, it's a heartbreaking cycle, definitely,
1: I, I, I am in total agreement. And again, that is why I'm grateful to you for reaching out to me to be able to speak about this topic. Because again, I think that we have to recognize that there is still a group of students whose voices are not being heard. So I say, oh, I, my hashtag is the voice of the voiceless. Because we have community college students that are struggling and they're not being heard. I had a student who received a book voucher and was using portions of the book voucher to buy snacks from the bookstore. So she was buying like nutrigrain grain bars or things like that. And the nutrigrain grain bar was like $4.99. And she was buying like two. So at if you round it up five dollars, so she was spending ten dollars of her book voucher on two Nutrigrain bars.
0: That is not the best deal, I will say that. If you if we're trying to get these students to feel well fed, you know, and just needing that snack or or a meal, and we're charging four ninety nine for a Nutrigrain bar, that is not an adequate use of their funds, and also they shouldn't have to separate out their funds for snacks if they got a book voucher for their tech?
1: So, you know, again, this topic is very broad and there's a lot of underlying issues that truly, truly have to be brought to light. And I'm grateful to you for reaching out to me, allowing me this platform. This problem is not going away
0: until it is addressed heads on. I completely agree. And if you do have any recordings of your speaking engagements or presentations, please feel free to share that with me so I can post it on our website and really continue this conversation and education.
1: Thank you. I so appreciate. So based on the research that I've done, there are populations of people who it's going to take a long time to rebound from this situation. This COVID-19 has affected not just African-American populations, but it has affected urban populations as well as rural populations. It will definitely take us, based on the research that I've seen thus far, about another two to three years for us to really see people able to kind of make ends meet and you still going to have minorities who are already behind the eight ball and who are getting further and further behind because of this global pandemic. So we will definitely be seeing the ramifications of this pandemic for at least the next 10 to 15 years I guarantee you. And I've been saying to people that what is happening right now, in my opinion, will affect us, us being minority population, as if it did as, as the same mannerism as the heroin in the crack epidemic several years ago.
0: Such a heartbreaking topic and honestly, one that I would love to keep going. And so I know you're conducting some more research and um, continuing to study this and see really where are the needs that can be delved into more and what more research that can be can be shown. I would love to, uh, at a time best for you, take this conversation up again and maybe do another episode of here's some more uh findings as our world is constantly changing and and you know as this pandemic hopefully comes to an end now how are things rippling out just like you said how what are the longing effects unfortunately to COVID? I would love to do that episode with you.
1: Thank you so much, Ashley. I would love to do it as well. I am definitely in the beginning stages of collecting and just researching data right now. In regards to what is happening, looking at you know um, feeding America's website and looking at some other data to see what exactly is happening, but based on what has been reported thus far, we will definitely see some severe issues of this situation kind of rippling throughout. Our nation. Um, I, based on what I've seen, I don't think any population is going to be exempt from some form of food insecurities. Either it be very low or low, but I do believe that there are going to be high numbers of populations um, of people who are going to be suffering from food insecurities, unfortunately, because again, we have to deal with poverty. We have to deal with unemployment. um, We have to deal with racism. So again, when you start filtering in all of those dynamics, it really will shake us to our core that there are going to be some rippling effects. And we haven't even seen how this is affecting college students? Because remember, everyone is doing some type of at-home studying, right? So even our four-year institutions may their students may be home. So how are they utilizing that meal plan, that meal program? And then we have to look at our community college students that never had it from the beginning. So so, so what is happening, you know, with them? So this is definitely definitely my passion i am definitely on the ground i'm really looking into doing some more studies so please definitely reach out to me because i will definitely be looking to present something next year this time of what has transpired in 2020 and 2021
0: I am just in awe of the work that you are doing and I'm so thankful <laughs> so thankful that you came today to this podcast episode and um, showed us the insights and the research around food insecurities. So thank you again so much. Well, that is it for another episode of Campus Connections. If you enjoyed this show, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review here wherever you are listening. Until next time.